Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Why does God hate murder of all sorts? Um, why, does, why, does it, why is it a problem? Because that person was made in the image of God. And what I gather from that is that everybody that's been made in the image of God, they're, they're a value to the Lord. It's, it's not my prerogative to, I can't get annoyed with somebody and then take their life that God gave them. They've been made in his image. We gotta be careful to see everybody is made in his image. Um, some of the things that are plaguing our culture today is people that don't value all life the same. When you see a replica of your favorite art piece, you want it to be as close to the real thing as possible to honor the original. So when you hear the words, humans are made in the image of God, you want people to represent God in the best way possible. So by harming a person who was made in the image of God, you're destroying something that was intended to be a really good glorifying thing. Today, Pastor Bill speaks on the issue of murder and why it wasn't okay in the past and why it's not okay now. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 35, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you, God, that you've given us your word. And um, God, we, we look forward to that which you want to share with us, God. As we look at Numbers 35, God, we trust your word is living and powerful. It's supernatural. And Lord, I know it's your desire to speak to us, to reveal things to us, to teach us. God, I pray you would do all those things. I pray even, Lord, for uh, just as you know the heart and mind of each of us. God, I pray you would meet us in a special way. Speak to our hearts those things that we need to hear from you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, in Numbers 35, uh, I'm going to give a brief little just kind of where we're going with it, and then we're going to jump right in. Um, as we're coming to the close of the book of Numbers, um, they're on the verge of the promised land. That's been the last few studies. They've been right there on the edge of the promised land. We talked about the two and a half tribes that decided to stay on the, you know, outside of the promised land on the other side, and we looked at everybody else that uh, they, were, they were kind of given their portions. Everybody was told where they're going to go. Today, the Levites are told uh, where they're going to go. Uh, if you guys remember, the Levites didn't have uh, an inheritance in Israel. We'll look at it as we get into the study. But God had told them that he was their inheritance, yet they still needed somewhere to stay and they needed provisions. And so today we see how God takes care of the Levites, those full time servants of the Lord. Um, we're going to talk about murder, the, di the distinction between killing and murder in today's study and how God dealt with it. God's remedy for murder, how he feels about it, what he said to do about it. And then the last thing we'll look at is uh, as they set up these cities of refuge where someone who accidentally killed someone could go for safety. Uh, as we come to the, to the end, we're going to see how that God is our refuge. And so let's jump right in. Look at Numbers chapter 35, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab, by the Jordan across from Jericho saying command the children of Israel that they give the Levites cities to dwell in from the inheritance of their possession and you shall also give to the Levites common land around the cities they shall have the cities to dwell in and their common land shall be for their cattle their herds and for all their animals and so first you know I, I, I don't want to I, I read over this several times and um, this just was on my heart so I'm going to tell you guys 
as I read verse 1 of chapter 35, and it just says, and the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab, and all the rest of what we hear is what God told Moses. I don't want to just hustle real quick over the fact that Moses had this awesome relationship with the Lord, and God was speaking to him, and it was with such, God spoke to him with such clarity that he could record what God had said to him for other people as instruction. And I'm just, I read that, and I just, I just am reminded that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we, like Moses, will have that kind of an intimate encounter and relationship with the Lord, where we listen, we obey, we seek him, he speaks, we do what he says, God is still speaking today with, with clarity. Um, he speaks with clarity. God is very clear about things. And so I, I would just encourage you guys that um, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God speaks. And when he does speak, we want to listen. We want to we give ear. We want to be attentive. And so... Uh, but also, it's born out of the relationship. You know, Moses' relationship with the Lord was one where he, he yielded and obeyed what God said to him. And so, everybody here, God loves you, right? I could read this and think, but it was because it was Moses. And Moses was kind of a big deal. But it's not. God says, I'm no respecter of persons. If you'll do what he did, I'll speak to you. If you'll listen when I talk to you, you'll hear me more clearly as well. Um, he wants to speak to all of us. You guys believe that? You believe that God is desiring to speak to us and reveal things? Out of my own life, um, you guys know that we're working on this church building and we got all this stuff going on. And yesterday, I don't know if you guys, some of y'all don't know me very well. I'm not much of an administrator. I don't like paperwork. I don't like, I don't like anything that's, I like the Bible. I like praying. I like, that's what I like. If it's got to be like, we had to go to the courts and look at building codes and permits and that, that stuff, that's what makes me want to pull my brain. If I had hair, I'd want to pull it out, you know. So yesterday we were there and we're going over all the rules and you got to get this, you know, clearance and you got to get that permitted. <laughs> I'm glad my wife was with me because I, at a point I check out and then she just takes the rest of the notes. Then we had to go again this morning at 7.30 and go sit there and hear this. But this is what happened, right? We're sitting there and we're getting all this information and we got hit with a couple things yesterday that initially were like, whoa, I didn't know that. That's a... You know, that looked like that could be a hindrance. And then, oh, nope, it got erased and it was gone. In the reading, God initially spoke to me um, that he's, with, he's in this. You know, it was out of 2 Samuel 7, 10, where he told him, you're no longer in a tabernacle, place to place, but I'm going to give you a, a home. You're going to have a place and they'll no longer oppress you. It was so cool. This morning, we got up and before we left, we were going to do the reading and we did the reading. And in today's reading in Chronicles, God reiterated those exact, that exact phrase that he told David then. It was reiterated in the reading today. And I took that as the Lord saying, I'm, I've said the same thing today. It's the same. Nothing's changed. So go ahead and do with the little stuff. Y'all got to deal with it, everything else. But I'm, I'm in this. And it was for me, it was like, OK, I, I went with a total different mind to the little, little, little meeting today, you know, um, and. I just want to encourage you guys that God is still speaking to his kids. He loves us. And if you will pull up a chair and pull out the word and, and just give him space to speak, give opportunity, set that time aside. God is dying to speak some things into your heart. And sometimes the very thing that you need, you might need an encouragement some days. You might need to be reminded of something some days. He knows that's the cool thing about him. He knows exactly what we need every day. I don't know what you need every day. I might say the wrong thing. I might think you need a joke and you need some serious. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm, I'm flawed. God knows exactly what we need at every moment, every day. And if we'll give him our attention, he'll speak to us. And so I just want to encourage you guys, remind you uh, who we're dealing with, who we have access to. So again, verses two and three, he said, hey, command the children of Israel that they give the Levite cities to dwell in from the inheritance uh, of their possession. So the tribes of Israel were all given lands and each tribe of their land was gonna give a portion of it to the Levites. 
um, so that they could have somewhere to stay. Within this land, there were going to be some common areas, and these would be kind of the areas around where the animals could eat and graze and all of that. And so God was requiring of it, you know, that they would they would be spread around. A couple things that I see here. One, God didn't want the Levites who were, these would have been kind of full-time servants of God in that era. Um, God didn't want them all bunched up in one area. He wanted them spread around. He wanted them all around town, everywhere where, everywhere where the children of Israel are going to be. God said, I need my servants to be everywhere. And it's just a reminder to us that God doesn't want us all bunched up. Some Christians think, you know, I just want to be in a community of all Christians. I want to, I want to find a, a, you know, a place to live where everybody there is Christians and we'll just have Christian fellowship all the time. And God's like, no, I need some of y'all out there. I need some of y'all living in the hood. I need some of y'all working in the jungle over there. I need some of y'all in that school. I need some of y'all in that hospital. God just wants to sprinkle us out all over the place, his full-time servants, that we would be out there witnessing and an example. And that's what he does here with the Levites. He spreads them around, uh, not all bunched together. It reminded me that... In Acts eleven nineteen, if you could write that down in your notes, uh, the, the the church had just blown up, and they were they were they were doing very well. There were thousands of Christians in Jerusalem, and as persecution came into the church, and Paul, you know, had come against Stephen, well, Saul, and they had martyred Stephen, and persecution was heavy. They saw someone die for their faith. As you get to you know Acts eleven, it says that they because of the persecution. Uh, in the death of Stephen, that they just scattered everywhere. Christians just, they just, everybody broke out from Jerusalem to go to different places. And the cool thing that happened was as they broke out to go to different places, where, where, wherever they went, they kept sharing the gospel. And so instead of, it, it kind of backfired. The enemy's intent was to stop the work. As it scattered abroad, the work also scattered. The gospel scattered. And so, um, and I think God allowed that persecution. I, I want you guys to get out. Y'all are so comfortable right here. And so he said, I'll let a little persecution come in and you guys are boom. And you guys think you're running from the persecution, but I'm really, you know, scattering you guys abroad. So we should be reminded, right? We need times to huddle together as believers. We need times to come together and for fellowship and edification. But we got to, the goal of the coming together is that we would go out there and be about our father's business. So um, God set, he wants them to spread out and to get out there. Now look at verses four and five. It says the common land of the cities, which you will give to the Levites shall extend from the wall of the city outward a thousand cubits around and you shall measure outside the city on the east side, 2000 cubits on the south side, 2000 cubits on the west side, 2000 cubits on the north side, 2000 cubits. The city shall be in the middle. This shall belong to them as common land for the cities. Now, here's what's important here. We get the kind of the way the land breaks down. Um, there's, they're spread everywhere and there's a common land in the middle where their animals can graze. And I just, what I gather from that right there, God has kept his promise. God told the Levites, you guys don't be worried about an inheritance. Don't you guys worry about stuff. You guys just focus on serving me and I'll take care of that. And I just see here God's faithfulness as he's now distributed the land and told everybody where they're going to go, um, God says right away, he says, hey, each of you guys are going to give a portion to these, to these Levites. I'm making sure that they're taken care of. And for anybody here that is, you serve the Lord. And maybe God is, you know, maybe at times you're challenged to, to trust the Lord for, for whatever it is that you need. Uh, we need to be reminded that God takes care of those, that he takes care of his servants. He's faithful. And as he sent them out, God made sure that their needs are going to be met. They were going to have what they needed, um, that they would have lands and places to live and everything else. Um, it was, he was commanding that it would be so. Uh, we'll see in verses 6 through 8 that 
the way God did it was if you had a lot of land, uh, you were a big tribe with a lot of land, you, you gave more. If you were a smaller tribe with smaller land, you gave less. And so God required them to give land according to what he had given to them. So look at verses 6 through 8. It says, now among the cities which you will give to the Levites, you shall appoint six cities of refuge to which a manslayer may flee. And to these you shall add 42 cities. So all the cities you will give to the Levites shall be 48. These you shall give with their common land. And the cities which you will give shall be from the possession of the children of Israel. From the larger tribe you shall give many. From the smaller tribe you shall give few. Each shall give some of the cities to the Levites in proportion to the inheritance that each receives. And so God has made sure that their needs to be met. They'd be taken care of. Uh, I'll come back later to talk about the cities of refuge. But since it was mentioned right here, um, we'll come to it in more detail later. But a city of refuge was a city for someone who had accidentally killed someone. So it wasn't a place to go if you murdered someone intentionally. But if you, if you were out working for the day and accidentally killed your buddy. And, you know, in that culture, if you killed someone, there was someone in the family that was called the avenger of blood. Every family had someone. That was their role. So if, if, if my family member died and I came wind of it and I were that person in my family, let's say I were the avenger of blood for my family, well, it was my duty to hunt you down who killed my brother and kill you. You, you hurt my family, now I'm coming back to kill you. And we'll come back and talk about all that in a little bit, but the city of refuge was a place so that if it were accidental killing and not a murder, um, you had to get away from, the avenger of blood was coming for you. So if you got to the city of refuge, you were good. You were, you were able to be safe until uh, you had a trial and they were able to hear it out and determine rather it was a murder or an accidental killing. So you had a place where you could go and, and kind of be safe uh, while they determined it. So, um, but back to verses 68, it told if you were a larger tribe, you gave more. If you were a smaller tribe, you gave less. And I just saw a principle here that I would remind us all. Um, you know, God is requiring them to give based on what they've been given. So one, if you're a bigger tribe, earlier on we learned that. Who got the bigger areas? It was the people with the bigger family. So if you had a gang of kids, you got more land than if you had just a few. If you were a big tribe with thousands and thousands, you got more land. If you were a smaller tribe with fewer numbers, you got a smaller area. And God required them to give to the Levites based on what had been given to them. If you're writing notes, write down Luke 12, 48. And in Luke 12, there's a, a parable given out. And speaking of those that would be the God's servants, and, and I, I just would say the, the last verse here, Speaking of the, the servants were left to serve the master in his absence. Some were faithful, some were not. And in verse 48 it says, But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. And there's just a spiritual principle where God, if, if you've been given a lot, I require a lot from you. What if you know a lot of the Bible? God expects more of you. You know more. What if you've been blessed with, you know, opportunity to, to, to experience God in a greater way? God, I, expe I expect more from you. Whatever God's made available, God, I expect you to flow in accordance to what's been given, what's been poured in. So to, to him who knows much, I expect more. To him who's been given much, I expect more to be given. And so they're just a spiritual principle here to the, those that have more land, they have been blessed with more. There was an expectation 
that they would also give more. So now look at verses 9 through 12. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall appoint cities to be cities of refuge for you, that a manslayer who kills any person accidentally, and that's the key phrase, so if you highlight or underline, you want to highlight or underline that, who kills any person accidentally may flee there. They shall be cities of refuge for you from the avenger, that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation in judgment. And so the rule in the Old Testament was a life for a life. If you're writing notes, you can write down Genesis chapter 9, and I'm going to read verses 5 and 6. Uh, Genesis 9, 5 and 6 says, Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will, re I will require a life, the life of a man. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And so some people have a really hard time with capital punishment, um, but it's we have to be careful to recognize God established it. And I would just say this real quick. Um, it doesn't really matter how we feel about it, right? When that's practiced uh, appropriately, in, the, in any area where you will die for murdering, there will be less murdering. In any area, uh, any country where the penalty for a certain crime is death, you get a lot less of that particular crime. And in cultures like ours, where it's very lenient and liberal and loose, um, and, and they're very light hand slaps for, you know, you know, really vicious things, um, things go unchecked. You know, people get, people get a lot looser in their behavior and everything else. So um, while that works, right, if there's death for death, if you kill, you get killed. Um, and that was God's way of, of, of making sure that he wasn't going to have a culture in his people. They wouldn't, they wouldn't grow a culture of murderers. Um, there, was a, there, there, there could be error in that because if, if it's death for death, well, then the problem would be if somebody died and it was accidental and no one was there. He's going to give some instances in just a moment. But it, it, it's going to give one instance where two men were working and, you know, you both swinging the axe and, you know, me and Dre are out there working in the woods. It's just me and Dre all by ourselves. And I'm chopping wood. He's chopping wood. And my axe head comes off and bam, hits him right in the head and kills him one shot. But I didn't mean to kill him. We weren't arguing. We didn't have no beef, you know, but I killed him. Um, I got to go because his whoever is avenger of blood for his family, when they find out that we were together and I killed, they might not give me a free trial. They might not give me a fair chance to, to share you know, what, what I, what my side of what happened. So I got to get to the city of refuge first. Then when I get to the city of refuge, I can explain what happened in, 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 in peace. You know, they can't come kill me in the city of refuge. So God was making a provision for maybe what could have been a flaw in that process. So uh, just a couple more things on capital punishment and death for crimes and death for sins. God's, when he laid that out in Genesis 9, he said, because they've been made in my image. Why does God hate murder of all sorts? Um, why, does, why, does it, why is it a problem? Because that person was made in the image of God. And what I gather from that is that everybody that's been made in the image of God, they're, they're a value to the Lord. It's, it's not my prerogative to, I can't get annoyed with somebody and then take their life that God gave them. They've been made in his image. 
we got to be careful to see everybody is made in his image. Um, some of the things that are plaguing our culture today is people that don't value all life the same. Um, some lives are valued more than others in certain places. Some of it's racially motivated. Other, you know, for different reasons. Some people hate certain groups of people, and so their lives are not as valuable. And God would look at everybody and say, "Look, they're all every human being been made in my image. Value that life. I, I love that person. I, I want to save them. I want to, you know, I want to see them reconciled to me. But there's life that I gave them. Value that because they've been made in my image. And if I can't see anything else good in a human being." I can look at them and say that person's made in the image of God. And that's, that's got to be good enough. But I'm not, I don't get to choose who gets to live and who doesn't. Um, that's, you know, and again, we'll explain the difference between killing and murder because here comes a problem, right? There are some, there's some, there, there are some Christian groups that are against war. They feel, they, they feel like it's wrong for Christians to go to the military where you might have to kill someone. They believe it's wrong for a Christian to become part of a police force where you might have to kill someone as part of your job. Um, there are Christian groups that have misinterpreted these things and believe that all killing is wrong. And I think we want to we know better than that. We're going to read it as we go, but this will be the distinction. If I kill you in the course of work and some accidental thing happens, even if we're horsing around, playing around, and you slipped and fall and died, that's, I killed you. But I killed you on accident. It's different. Then if I hated you in my heart, I can't stand you. And I shoved you, and you fell, and you died. Or in my anger, my rage, you know, I threw my axe in your direction, and then, boom, you died. I didn't mean to kill him. Oh, that's, that's murder. You murdered him. And one thing we're going to see here is, and if anybody here struggled with anger, we need to deal with, deal with that because in the New Testament, as God deals with the root cause of things, what's the root of murder? Anger, hatred, a foul heart, right? Murder starts in the heart. Uh, and it starts with anger, malice, rage. That's, that's where it's born out of and it ends in murder. Jails are full of people who got mad one day, really regretted it afterwards. But, but the day they got mad and they did whatever they did when they were mad, boom, murder resulted. Now they're sorry, but it's too late. That life's gone. And so if you're a person given to anger, fits of rage or whatever, you want to you deal with that. You want to get some help with that. Um, that could result in really ugly things. Um, so uh, moving on now, look at verses 13 through 15. It says, and of the cities which you give, you shall have six cities of refuge. You shall appoint three cities on this side of the Jordan, and three cities you shall appoint in the land of Canaan, which will, which will be the cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the children of Israel, for the stranger, and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills a person accidentally may flee there. Now, I thought something was kind of interesting here. Remember the two and a half tribes that decided that they weren't going to go into the promised land? On the, they were going to stay on the other side of the Jordan? There are only two and a half tribes that are not going into the promised land. There's nine and a half tribes that are going in. And God gives the same amount of cities of refuge to the two and a half tribes as he did for the nine and a half tribes. And just follow this with me. If the goal of the city of refuge was so that when someone was killed, they had a place to run. And God said over here where there's nine and a half tribes, many, many, many more people. We got three. And on this side of the Jordan, where you guys didn't want to go to promised land, saying it's only two and a half of y'all, y'all are much smaller, but I got three as well. I, I read that and I, I wonder if God was 
hinting that it's it's gonna be two, three times as bad over here. Y'all decided to stay over here thinking it was gonna be all good. Y'all gonna have way more, per capita, y'all gonna have way more problems with murder and killing than all these tribes over here. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them, but God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.